0: You need indeed. It's winter, and you can now get almost anything you need for the coldest months of the year delivered with Uber Eats. What do we mean by almost? Well, you can't get a ski slope delivered, but you can get dish soap delivered. Sunshine, that's a no. But a bottle of wine, that's a yes. A snow angel, sorry, no. But angel hair pasta, uber eats can definitely get you that get almost almost anything delivered with uber eats order now alcohol select markets product availability may vary by region see app for details
1: Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, a.k.a. Blender Ed, Blender HD. If You're going to follow me on Twitter. And it's Friday, February 24th. It's Fighting Friday. We're back to fighting. We're fighting. You can see I've been fighting a lot. Okay, this is, this is slowly going away. My black eyes are slowly, slowly going away. Hopefully, hopefully I won't get punched out tomorrow. Hopefully my fighters won't get knocked out tomorrow because that's what we'll be talking about, the UFC uh, Apex, Vegas, whatever, whatever number they're up to slate. It is a, it is a main event of uh, Nikita Krylov versus Ryan Spann. Okay. I I guess that's a main event. I guess it is. Uh, there's, there's 12 fights now on the slate. There was 13. The Garrett Armfield, uh, Jose Johnson fight was canceled yesterday. So now we're down to 12, 12 fights. So it's a little, a little, a little bit smaller, a little bit smaller. I prefer 13 over 12. I definitely prefer twelve over eleven or ten. So, uh, so obviously, the the less fights that are on the slate, the more the more you have to care about like duplication and combinatorics. And we'll be talking about that. Give me those thumbs ups. Give me the thummy thumbs. You know how much I like hitting the, hitting the like button. Punch, punch the like button. Punch the like button. The thumbs up button. The subscribe button. The notification bell. Punch everything you want. Punch, punch your ticket. Punch your ticket to a combo premium package on roto grinders where for this MMA slate, you'll get, you'll get the premium ground and pound podcast with Mike and Liam. They'll break down all the fights that they're, they're the fight people, right? Me. I just, I just see names and numbers, right? I just look at names and numbers. These, those people, Mike, Mike and Liam, they know that they know the fights. I mean, obviously I watch enough UFC now that I, I get a sense of uh, I get a, sense, a little bit of sense of the fighting, but if you want all the breakdowns for that, you want the expert survey. You want you want the the projections. You want the ownership. You want everything. You want lineup HQ. Sign up for Roto-Grinders Premium. You get all of that. Get the combo premium. You get the, you get the NBA. You get PGA. You get MLB. MLB. will be back soon, right? You get NFL, Xf, XFL, college football, college basketball, whatever's in season. You'll get it all. NHL. We got NHL stuff. So sign up. Sign up for that. And uh, as always uh on, on the show uh, normally right other than fridays when there's a ufc slate uh I'm, I'm answering your dfs strategy questions send those in questions at theoryofdfs.com. if you got any topics you want to talk about obviously next month we'll be talking a bunch about uh, towards the end of the month uh get do our do our mlb primer right so if you got anything you don't even have to go back to past episodes you got a question that got covered uh, you know a month ago fine i'll go over it again right it's unstructured learning here but if you want structured learning Go to theoryofdfs.com, pick up one of my two courses, either the fundamentals masterclass or the advanced course, which comes with custom Excel tools. And Daniel Hutchings says, uh, punch the like button like the concrete, punch my face. Yeah, that's right. I, I, I consider myself that I punch the concrete. I, I headbutted, I face butted it. Right. I don't I don't want my fighters to be face butted uh, tomorrow. Uh so tomorrow's slate. Uh as, as usual, anytime, anytime you approach. Uh, a UFC card, it's very important to understand the context of the card and how the context of the card will affect the probability of what the construction of the optimal or nut lineup is more likely. The probability is more likely to happen. Okay? So, obviously, slate size matters. Okay? So, on a 15-fight card versus, let's say, a 9-fight card, a really small one, right? We don't get many of those. So, like on a, on a on a nine fight card, I mean, your goal is to get the top six winners, essentially, right? That could fit within the salary constraints. So, on a nine fight card, what's what 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 what's your priority? Winning the fight, We're right? Not necessarily having the highest ceiling, but getting six winners is way more important in GPPs in a nine fight card versus a fifteen fight card. Now, obviously, in a 15 fight card, you still want to get the winners, right? Right. You still you still need to, pretty much pretty much. Of course, there are slates. So we'll get we'll get into the second context. Uh, there are slates where the, the highest scoring underdog or some stack or some like weird thing happens where because of price, a loser is in the optimal lineup. But for the most part, on a 15 fight card, you still you still need you still want six winners, but you want the highest scoring winners right on a nine fight card. Well, it's quite possible, you know, like, well, six of them, there's going to be three winning fighters left out of the optimal lineup. How many points, how many points do the winners need to score? Not as much as on a 15 fight card because of opportunity cost, right? There's there's going to be 50 on a 15 fight card. There are 15 winners, right? So you want the highest scoring winners. And now like the, the, the guy, the guy that's more likely to have a 74 point win isn't as valuable on a nine fight card. They're much more valuable. So what's the context of the card? This is like in the middle of that, right? Between nine and 15, this is a 12 fight card. So yes, obviously we want to win probability. is still important. It's always important to some extent, but uh, we want the highest ceiling fighters as well. And then context of card is how big of a favorite are the favorites, okay? So if I go to my, my MMA odd sheet, which I have preliminarily filled out, with our RG ownership, our projection, uh, some other metrics here. Some the betting lines from yesterday, I haven't updated them yet. They're not gonna change all that much. Uh how big of a favorite are the favorites, right? Because we have some cards where half the favorites are like three to one. Three to one favorites are better, right? They're are very very lopsided fights. Now, on those slates, it's less likely, obviously, because the you know the favorites are are very heavily favored. There aren't going to be many underdogs that win, right? Probability wise, right? From a probability standpoint, I'm not saying that they can't, but it's less likely. So on a slate where uh, there are a lot of heavy favorites, it's more and more likely that the optimal lineup will come closer to 50 K. Well, you're going to spend most of your salary, right? On a card where most of the fights are two to one or worse Right. With a favorite, it's only a two to one favorite or two, 2.2 to one favorite. That's much more likely that there's going to be more underdogs that win. Okay. Which means that the optimal lineup may not be 50, it may be less than 50K. Less likely. Remember, we're thinking about more likely and less likely, not will or will not happen. Right. So on, on, a, on a card where there's a ton of heavy favorites, you could have three underdogs that win. I mean, it's just less likely to happen. And on a card with tons of pick em fights, you could still have a, I mean, we've we've had a card. I think I think uh, in December, November, or December, there was a card where it was like twelve or thirteen fights, and the biggest favorite was only like minus two thirty, right? And that was the perfect card for like, oh, okay, you could play, you could play like anyone, right? And it turned out on that card, I think, I think, uh, out of the twelve fights, eleven favorites won, and the one underdog that won was only like a seventy nine hundred dollars guy or something like that, right? So sometimes you have those slits. i hey, there, there, a lot of a lot of pick them fights and the favorites still win, right? So it's just about more likely or less likely this, the context of this card is kind of, kind of a little bit of a mix other. There's basically two fights with heavy favorites. So you have Tatiana Suarez at 9,600 and Joe Selecki at 9,400, right? Uh, Win probability based on the, the, the vague win probability. This is not removing the big 88 and 85%. Of course, they're the two most expensive fighters, right? 9,600, 9,400. Outside of that, like we only have one, two, three fighters that are a little bit more than, than a two to one favorite, right? 69%, 70%, 69%. Then everything, everything else is within, is, is like 60, 40, within around 60, 40, three to two, two to three. Okay. Which means like, especially in this mid range, uh, feel free to get different, feel free to get different so I think outside of, like, the Suarez and Selecki fights against Deaton and Montana De La Rosa, uh, feel free to, you know, you could leave 600 on the table, especially for large field GPPs. For, for the sake of the lack, you don't want to be duplicated as much. So because Suarez and Selecki are heavy favorites, uh, is minus 105 inside the distance. Suarez is only plus 125 inside the distance, which is, Less than some of these other fighters, but also remember that she's a vo- she's like a volume wrestler. Okay, so it's so Tatiana Suarez at 9600 could get to a decision and still score 140 points. So just understand the context of the you know the inside the distance lines. It's the same thing for like Muniz. Andre Muniz is a grappler, right? Uh, Krylov can mix it in, right? Aliev is a little bit of is a bit of a grappler, right? Selecki, Selecki is he's a grappler, I guess. Right, but I mean, he could he could he could win on the feet as well. So like Mike Balot is more of a more of a striker. Trevor Peak is more of a striker. Krylov is a mix, I guess. I mean, he'll hold mix and takedowns. I don't know against Ryan Spann what he's going to do. Uh so like a lot a lot of lineups are going to have like one of these two, either Suarez or Selecki. Trevor Peak is minus two twenty five favorite with a minus one fifty inside the distance line He's the best ITD line on the slate. He's a, he's a UFC newcomer, but he's 7-0, and he's facing Eric Gonzalez, who's 0-2 and has gotten knocked out and submitted, okay? Uh, so most likely, these lineups are going to look like, what are the chalk lineups going to kind of look like? So you get, like, Suarez there, peak, right? You play Suarez and peak. I think uh, in the mid-range, I think you're going to get a lot of ownership on Jordan Levitt uh, against Martinez, I'm not a big fan of Jordan Levet, but from a from a floor perspective, if, in a decision like Levet could score actually pretty well. So, like maybe Jordan Levet in the mid range depends on whether or not if you're playing a favorite in the main event, like the Krylov like Krylov Span fight. If you take a look at the ITD lines, minus one thirty for Krylov, plus one sixty five for Span. So this the in these types in these types of main events, okay, in these types of main events, see this is context. Context is king. I am more likely to fade the main event in these scenarios than in others. And what are the others? Like, you take a look at the inside the distance line. It, 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 seems, it seems counterintuitive of, like, the higher, the, the I would say, the high the probability. So, like, the lower the ITD lines for the main event, the less likely I am to play the main event due to ownership reasons. Now, why is that? Okay. The main event is the only fight on the slate. that goes five rounds. It's the only fight that goes five rounds. And that's the reason why it's popular. It's, it's a five round fight. You get the opportunity to score points in all of these rounds, right? All I'm pointing it out on the fingers to make it easy. All these rounds you get, you get points, right? Punches and strikes and control time and takedowns. So in a five round decision is, typically worth a lot more than a three-round decision, right? Yeah, but that's if the fight goes to decision. So when the ITD lines are high or good for the main event, like what's the likelihood of it going five rounds? Like most likely this fight ends within the first three rounds anyway, regardless of who wins. Now that means the the winner is more likely to score decent points, just like in any three-round fight. Right, you get a first-round finish, it doesn't matter if it was a five-round fight, a three-round fight, a 12-round fight. It doesn't matter. First-round finish is first-round finish. The other guy scores barely anything. But ownership-wise, people treat five-round fights as, oh, okay, I, I got to play Krylov or Span, right? You take a look at this ownership, and we have it as, uh, as Krylov 52%, Span 34%. But let's say I told you, let's say I told you that that wasn't the main event right let's say i didn't tell let's say that was a three-round fight should it be that owned right should it be that owned probably not and the likely the likelihood this fight ends early so i should pretty much be treating it like it's a three-round fight right now obviously it could go five rounds right? You get the extra points in round four and round five and then the decision. And it's, hey, even then they may not score enough points to make the optimal lineup. But I think in these in these scenarios, people look at these ITD lines and go, oh, look at the ITD line and I got five rounds to work with. Like, well, the five rounds don't really, don't really matter as much, right? You're not expecting it to go that long. So like in these, I'm not saying that I'm completely fading the main event, but I, I'd be more likely in these scenarios. Then you see ones where the IDD lines are like 300 and 400 and it's like no i, I i'm more likely to play this main event because because someone winning in the decision could score 100 points because it's going to go five rounds so that's the context of the slate so we take a look here and you go if you're going to play suarez peak levitt i can see playing like span in this lineup right you got eight thousand, and you're going to play mid-range people right maybe you play Dontel mays Something like that. Something something around here. Suarez Peak, Levitt, Span, right? I think Ode Osborne, because the line movement, right? Ode Osborne, because Charles Johnson right now is only a minus 160 favorite and he's 9K. So the the line value is uh, plus 140 on Ode Osborne. He's a 7,200. So I think he's going to be popular. And then you have 8,800 left and then you can play like Aliyev or something like that, right? I think I think in cash games it'll be like a stack. It'll be something like this will be the cash game lineup. Suarez, Peak, Levit, Span, Osborne, Krylov, or something like that. So I think this this is going to be like popular construction. Suarez, Peak, Levit, Span, Osborne, Aliyev. and if you don't play Span and you play like Krylov instead of Span, you have seventy five hundred, and now you're playing uh, you know did Rafael Alves, I guess, or you know someone down Brendan Allen maybe. Against Muniz, and if you're playing like Muniz instead, so let's say you're you're playing instead of Peak, you're playing Muniz, like Muniz, Suarez, Levitt, Osborne. You could play Span in this lineup, and then you got eighty six hundred, and then you go, you know, I don't know, Haley Cowan, probably not much ceiling there. Let's say you don't play Stan in this lineup. You play Krylov in this lineup. You got seventy four hundred. So now you're going down to uh, to a Rafael. Al- same Alves, Allen, something in that range. I think Dontel May. If you don't play Levitt, you'll play Dontel Mays instead. But I think these these are what these lines are going to look like. And instead of like Suarez, you'll see Selecki in there, or maybe you'll see Suarez and if you play Suarez and Selecki, right now you can play like Brendan Allen against Muniz, right? So I think this will be popular. Suarez, Selecki, Levit, Krylov, Osborne, Allen, right, and then we take out Krylov. If you put Span in there, the 8,300 would be like uh, like Augusto Sakai or someone in the mid range. Like these are these are the lineups that you're probably avoiding in large field GPPs. Yeah, if you're playing cash games, small in small field, you've got a two v two off of these types of lineups. But I think that the the, the pot the popular build is going to be. One nine k fighter, like it's either going to be one nine k fighter and Trevor Peak, or two nine k fighters without Trevor Peak. So it'll be Suarez Selecki, Suarez Moonies, Selecki Moonies, or Suarez Peak, Selecki Peak, Moonies Peak. Then on the on the mid range, I think obviously you got Krylov in there at eighty seven hundred, but I think you're going to most likely play these like slight underdogs like Levin and Maze. I think they're going to be the most popular. Yeah, you'll get still stum ownership on Sakai, Sakai and Victor Martinez. I think these are the these are the fights that are going to be. They're not the most appealing fights, but they fit. They, I mean, they fit in your lineups. Then on the underdog side, I think Ryan Spann in the main event, he'll be he'll be the most popular underdog. Then after him, it'll be Ode Osborne because the line because the line value. Then after that, then it kind of drops. Then you got kind of, it. Then you probably get get Brendan Allen against Muniz, maybe. Maybe Johan Liness against Malat. So I think the guy that's going to be left out in the top range, the, the the one that's going to be left out the most is going to be Charles Johnson. Okay, because there's a line value. He's the, he shouldn't be 9K. He should If you reprice this now, he should be like 8,600. So it's like he's like $400 too expensive. That doesn't mean he can't win, and it doesn't mean he can't win with 100 points. Odey Osborne, you know, Charles Johnson could, could grapple him and submit Osborne on the ground. No problem. I think Charles Johnson's a bit overrated, but I think oh, that, I, I think Woody Osborne's a bit overrated. Osborne's more likely to win via knockout. You see that? He's, he, I don't think he has much of a ground game. But I think Charles Johnson will be left out up top, but for a little bit more rightful reason. But Mike Malott, I think, is going to be at 9,200. We have him at 28%. Oh, and I think it'll be, it be under way under that. I have him at 26. I think he could be even lower than that. Uh, His upside is longer than some of these other fighters because he's likely not going to grapple. But Johan Laness is not like a... I mean, Johan Laness is a a defensive... His striking defense, I don't know, right? This doesn't seem... Mike Malat versus Johan Liness doesn't seem like the type of fight that is going to go three rounds, right? We see the inside the distance lines. Minus 115 for Malat, plus 300 for Liness. Right. I think someone gets knocked out. It just depends when. But of course, second round, late sec, uh, you know, early second round knockout, early third round knockout. Yeah, I mean, it, it, Malat. I mean, a second round knockout. I mean, Malat scores eighty-eight points. Does that does that do do enough for you at ninety-two hundred? Probably not. But that's the reason why why he's going to be lower owned. So I think the 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 price leverage, salary le- base leverage, at the top is is Malat. And I guess Charles Johnson also, but I mean understand that that he's plus two oh five inside the distance and his and his poor line value, so you're you're playing Charles Johnson primarily for ownership then from a leverage perspective, I think Andre Muniz see the thing is that i think I think this Muniz Allen fight is going to be overowned.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search.
1: Now, I think Brent. I think the line is is a little too wide. I mean, I think Andre Muniz is a, is a good grappler, but I mean, but Brendan Allen is, is, is not bad on the ground at all. I mean, he's a he's a wrestler. Uh, you can't trust Brendan Allen, right? Uh, you can't trust his chin, but I don't think Andre Muniz is going to knock him out. So I think this is more likely a grapple battle, which is good for DFS points, but if it's close, it's quite possible that Muniz wins the first round and Allen wins the second round and the third round goes 50-50. It's a decision, and, like, in the round where Allen has Muniz down, like, Muniz ain't scoring points. So it's quite possible that the winner of this fight, without a submission in at least the first two rounds, just duds. And I'd much rather have Allen in a win with 70 points or something than, than Muniz. But I think Allen's going to be owned also. So it's not like it's not like you're getting that much leverage by, oh, Muniz is going to be 30-32% on. I'm going to play Brendan Allen. Well, he's going to be like 22, 24% owned. So I think I'm more likely to just not play that fight. And I'll probably be under on that fight. And then, like, I'm not, I'm, 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 like I'm not, I'm, 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 I don't think I'm going to be playing Montel and Delarosa against Tatiana Suarez. I don't think I'm going to be playing Carl Deaton. I'm playing, I'm playing, but eight lineups tomorrow. Uh, I'm not, I'm not playing, I'm, I don't think I'm playing Deaton against Selecki. Right. Yeah, I don't think so. I think I'm more likely to, to, not like obviously Ode Osborne is going to be popular as an underdog because of the line value. I think he's going to be like 30 to 35%, maybe even more 36, 38%. But do I want to play Charles Johnson at bad line value in a poor ITD line for his price against him? Maybe not. Uh, You can, like I said, Charles Johnson is purely, purely playing for, for ownership reasons. Uh, But I think I'm just more likely to just not, not, I think maybe I'll have Ode Osborne in my like in my Mike Malott type of lineups, my non-Trevor Peak type of lineups. Out of eight of them, maybe maybe I have two Ode lineups. I'm more likely to just go under on that fight. Then we already talked about the main event, right? I think I'm more, much more likely to have have uh, uh, Ryan Spann than Nikita Krylov, only because like if I'm not going to play Ode Osborne. And I'm not going to play Brendan Allen as much. I'm not going to play Yoan Liness as, as much, right? If I'm not going to play Deaton or De La Rosa, like, who am I playing? Right? Who am I? I mean, like, I, I need I need some salary relief somewhere. I'm not a big fan of playing Rafael Alves. I mean, that's that's kind of like a knockout of bust type of guy. I'd much rather play Aliyev, Nerulo Aliyev against him. I mean, who am I playing down here? Well, the one guy that that stands out is Eric Gonzalez. Against what could be a forty-five plus percent own newcomer UFC newcomer Trevor Peak, that fight. I mean, he, Eric Gonzalez is plus two sixty-five inside the distance. This fight, this fight is like minus five fifty overall to not to, to end to get finished. Eric Gonzalez at least has two UFC fights. He's not good. At least he has two UFC fights. Trevor Peak only seven professional fights. Yeah, he's undefeated. Never fought in the UFC though. Most likely Trevor Peake him. Yeah, of course. Yes, but he's only minus two twenty five favorite. It's not like he's that 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 huge of a. He's a two to one, a little over a two to one favorite. If Trevor Peake's going to be like forty plus percent owned and Eric Gonzalez is going to be like ten to sixteen, you know, something around that range, I'll take a shot on him. Yeah. That to me, that's what, that's where the leverage is. So like, if you take a look at like a type of lineup that I'm going to be looking to build would be something more like, like Eric Gonzalez, Ryan Spann, right? Now I could spend, and maybe I don't spend on Suarez. Maybe I play Malat against Liness. I play Selecki instead, right up here. And now he got, now I got mid-range guys. If everyone's going to play Levitt, maybe I play Victor Martinez. I could you do Victor Martinez for leverage, and you got eighty four hundred left. Right, And Gabriella Fernandez, or some you know so, some type of lineup that looks like this: Gonzalez, Span, Malat, Zalecki, Martinez, Fernandez. And even in these lineups, you probably could play like Jordan Levin in this lineup, and you got eighty six hundred. And then you, I mean, you could play Kelly Cohen. I'm not a big fan of that. Or you play Dontel Mays instead, like maybe you play Mays. you got eighty seven hundred. Maybe instead of playing Span, you play Krylov, you got seventy five hundred, and yeah, you're down in bad. I don't want to. I don't necessarily want to play Alves, and I think Osborne, Allen, and Liness are going to be over popular. And obviously, I'm playing their opponents, so I'm not going to play them both in the same lineup. But these are the types of lineups that I'm looking for. When I'm fading Tatiana Suarez, I'm not saying that that she loses. I'm just saying maybe, maybe, maybe. Dude, maybe she only has two. Ta- maybe she only needs two takedowns, and submits Montana De La Rosa and has one hundred and four points. She wins easily, three minutes into the fight. Not many ground strikes. Ends up with a some submission and 100, 105 points for ninety six hundred. That may not be enough. I mean, it's fine. Play player in cash games. It's perfectly fine. But maybe Malat goes out there and quick win bonus knocks out uh, Johan Liness. That could happen. Joe Joe Selecki could end up a third-round submission win with eight eight takedowns and and eight minutes of ground control. And Selecki has 128 points. Right? Trevor Peak, Like, Trevor Peak's not a wrestler. So, like, people are going to be overvaluing Trevor Peak? It's just like, you got five minutes. You got five minutes, guy. Right? Is he going to knock him out on the first round or not? Because if he doesn't, I don't... I mean, he's 8,900, so it's not like he needs 120 points. But, you know, he's a UFC newcomer. Are you going to play a 40% owned UFC newcomer that's KO-reliant? I'm more likely to go on the other side. Now, it doesn't mean I won't have peak. I think out of eight lineups, maybe I will have two, maybe three peak lineups. The ceiling is tremendous. I mean, he could also... Even if he doesn't knock him out, he could... In the first round, I mean, he could score a million points just strikes. You know, gets it, knocks him down, gets on top of him, eighty strikes, two knockdowns, you know, controlled. Who knows? Who knows? It could just be a, it could be a, a slaughter. Hey, maybe it goes three rounds and it's still a slaughter. Maybe they, it's one of those fights where, where you're wondering why the referee hasn't stopped it yet, right? Where the, where the other guy is just like, okay, yeah, he's still defending intelligently, but he's still getting his ass kicked. The next thing you know, he has uh, 180 significant strikes, two knockdowns and, and whatever. And it's, it's, he wins 30, 25 on the scorecards and still scores like 137 points. That could happen. Of course, I didn't mention like the, the, the women's fights other than Suarez fight. I don't know. I don't know how high scoring these, these, these female fights are going to be the, the Cohen, Perez fight and the Fernandez vicious fight. I don't know. I mean they're they're close. I mean they're in the mid range. So like I mean you could play them for sure. I mean I think I prefer the Sakai Mays fight although that's a heavyweight fight that I mean that could be sloppy and slow. But the Victor Martinez I mean you just take a look at the inside the distance line. Sakai 200 Mays 195. Martinez-Levitt fight is 185-175. And then you take a look at the female fights. It's like Cohen is plus 295. Perez is plus 380. Fernandez is plus 335. And Jesuda Vicious is plus 570. So like that Fernandez-Jesuda Vicious fight is the most likely to go to decision. But they're at a price point where, hey, if they give me an 80-point win, maybe maybe that ends up being optimal. But that typically only ends up being optimal if, like, most of the favorites win. Where you have to use some middle range fighter in order to get the points, everything. We start seeing we see an Ode Osborne knockout and a Yohan Liness knockout and Brian Spann wins as an underdog in the main event. It's like, dude, like 80 points out of any of these female fighters ain't gonna, ain't gonna cut it. Right. It ain't gonna cut it. Hey, Tatiana Suarez only putting up one oh five. Ain't gonna cut it either. So understand how how this the out the, the range of outcomes for a slate, what types of outcomes there could be. And how does that affect the construction of the nut lineup? And your goal is to build lineups that fit those, those nut lineup constructions. And sometimes you could be like, well, I think this type of construction is going to be over So I'm going to play a bunch that aren't that. And then some people diversify be like, well, I'll play some like this, some like this, some like that. Like if you were, play, if you were playing 150 lineups, do you leave 1500 on the table in all of your lineups? Like, I mean, you can, but I'm much more likely to say, okay, I'm going to take some of these types of nut lineup constructions. I'm going to take some of these, some of these. So I have nice coverage across the board in a lot of lineups. So if you're playing 20 lineups, doesn't mean you can't, doesn't mean you can't play like a chalkier construction combinatorically. I mean, but just get, get a little bit different. Like if you want to play, like, let's let's just say Suarez, you can do Suarez. Peak, Levitt, Span, Osborne, who's left here? 8,800, Aliyev. Like something like this. I think this is going to be one of the most popular lineups, if not the most popular lineup. It's like, well, you don't want to play this and be duped 100 times or more. So it's like, how do I get different? Well, instead of playing Aliyev, maybe play Hallie Cohen instead, right? And then on top of that, Instead of playing Ryan Span, you play both both of the female fighters. You could do that. Or instead of playing Osborne, you play Gonzalez. And then instead of playing Peak, you could still you could still play. Uh, let's see, nine thousand. You could still play Aliyev in this line. Like you could do something like this. Yeah, you still have Suarez. You still have Levitt, and you still have Span. But you got Eric Gonzalez leverage over over Trevor Peak. Haley Cohen probably the lowest owned fighter out of the favorites, I think. Nerulo Aliyev, he's, he's owned, but not like absurdly or anything like that. You don't have Trevor Peak in your I mean, you have the leverage off of that. You can play you can play something like this. Suarez, what is it? Suarez, Aliyev, Cohen, Levitt, Span, Gonzalez. I mean that, and it's a forty-nine-eight lineup. That's fine. So it doesn't mean you have to like, oh, I can't play. If I play Suarez, I can't play Span, or I can't play Levitt. I mean, you can play some of these lines. I mean, this is not as contrarian as the ones that I showed before, but you can still mix these in. I mean, the, the chalk is the chalk for a reason. It is for a reason. If you got any questions? Throw them in the YouTube chat you got any questions about dfs strategy right we do that monday through thursday right and then fridays are fighting fridays we're fighting because there's a ufc card send them in questions at theory of dfs.com we're gonna be talking a bunch about combinatorics uh in the coming weeks uh I, I got i got a couple of questions lined up for that uh but you got anything mlb wise especially because i think the second half of march We'll be, we'll be doing an MLB primer. So if you send those questions in. But if you got any other questions about playing DFS in general, sports betting even, sports betting, prop betting, anything, advantage play, anything you want when it comes to, you know, playing a strategic game like this for positive expected value, send it in, questions at theoryofdfs.com. And if you want more about this uh, UFC slate, as I said in the beginning, Got to subscribe to Roto-Grinders Premium, and you'll get the Ground and Pound podcast. That's probably, what, 90 minutes? I'll I'll be listening to that later today with Mike and Liam. They'll break down the fights for you. Got the expert survey coming out later today, and you'll get access to build all your lineups in Lineup HQ with uh, the updated projections and ownership, and you can fool around all you want with lineup construction in this tool Later today, we got basketball still going on. NBA still, still, it's still trucking along. Got Grinders Live later today. Got crunch time. We got, uh, what else? We got PGAs going on, right? Some really bad event where like what, Sunjay? sorry, what, M is the highest priced golfer or something? It's not that, I know, the Honda Classic. Yeah, that's not a great event. Uh, So we got that. We got tons of stuff going on, on the YouTube channel, on the Scores and Odds channel as well. Go over to that YouTube channel all your betting needs, our sister site, scoresandodds.com. Subscribe to that YouTube channel and give me that like. You know how much I like the thumbs, right? Especially my thumb. My thumb hurts a little bit. So you make it better by hitting the thumb button, the thumb button, the like button, and the subscribe button if you're new here, and the notification bell to know when we go live, when I go live, right? Because I'm here, right? We took a little bit of a break for the all-star break. I was on vacation a bit. And now we're back on a normal schedule for, for the next foreseeable, for the foreseeable future till, till May, probably I'm going away in May. So until then we're, we're good. And, uh, and yeah, right. I'll be here for you. I'm here for you all the time. Answering your DFS strategy questions Monday through Friday, 11 o'clock Eastern on the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com.